0: What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the career of actress Anya Taylor Joy and the movie The Gray Man. First, let's talk about the career of Anya Taylor Joy. The early projects that garnered her attention were two horror films. First, The Witch in 2015 with Robert Eggers in his directorial debut, and 2016 in M Night Shyamalan's Split with James McAvoy. What's interesting about these two performances is in The Witch. She is the one scaring people, and in split, she is the one being terrified. There are not a lot of actresses who get the opportunity to do both things, and Joy was able to at the very beginning of her acting career. In 2017, Joy starred with Olivia Cook in the dark comedy Thoroughbreds. The two of them have great chemistry. They are two of the most talented actresses of their generation. Olivia Cook should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress for her performance in Sound of Metal, and the film is directed by Corey Finley, who went on to direct the underrated film Bad Education with Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney. The project that of course made Anya Taylor-Joy a household name was the Netflix miniseries The Queen's Gambit in 2020, where she plays Beth Harmon, a young chess prodigy. This is the show that made me realize that miniseries are the future of television, because every minute of that show is cinematic. It's movie quality, The show is brilliant, and so is Anya Taylor-Joy in it. In that same year, Joy played the lead in an adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. This is one of the best-looking movies, and one of the best-looking period pieces I've ever seen. I love the tone of that movie. I think one of the things I love most about the career of Anya Taylor-Joy so far is it's so unexpected, the directions it's gone in. At the beginning of her career, you thought she was about to become the queen of horror movies and then she does a mini series like The Queen's Gambit then she does a movie like Emma like you don't know where Anya Taylor-Joy's career is headed and that's the best thing because those are the type of people that have the best careers. Not the type of people who get typecast into the same role over and over again but the type of people who put their careers in a different direction than where we all think it's headed. Joy has also made the wise choice of working with stellar filmmakers. She's worked with Robert Eggers, M. Night Shyamalan, Corey Finley, Autumn Day Wild, Scott Frank, Edgar Wright, and she has future projects with George Miller, Mark Mylod, and David O. Russell. This is how you make good projects, and she's willing to take smaller roles to work with these directors. She has an important but supporting role in Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. It's about being in as many good movies as humanly possible, and it's also about being interesting in the I say this all the time on this podcast, but I'll reiterate it. It is not about being the lead of a movie or a TV show. It is about being interesting in that said movie or TV show. And so far, Anya Taylor-Joy is endlessly interesting in every project she's been a part of. Another TV show she's been a part of is Peaky Blinders, the hit British series with Killian Murphy. I love that this show has become a place for movie stars to join. I love that Tom Hardy's been in it. I love when Adrian Brody was in it. Sam Neill and Sam Claflin. Like, this has become a place where movie stars have significant roles. It's another TV show that feels as good as a movie quality, and that's why Anya Taylor Joy is making the right decisions. The projects that she's in are not only being publicized, they're also very high-quality shows. Like, there is nothing bad about the show Peaky Blinders, and Anya Taylor. Joy is really good in it in the fifth and final season. In Joy's career, there's only been one outright failure, and that's the long-delayed New Mutants, and that movie is awful, but she's not that bad in it. I do wonder, is Anya Taylor-Joy ever going to be willing to play a Marvel character again? Like, is this the end of Anya Taylor-Joy being in a big comic book movie? Because if so, they really wasted her on some garbage. I also think if you're going to put her in a comic book movie, she should really be the villain because I don't want to see her tied to some bad franchise. I would love to see her be a one-off villain. I think she would be brilliant in that type of a role. Like, make her Poison Ivy in Robert Pattinson's Batman movies. Now we're talking. It seems like everyone wants to see her play Jean Grey. I think that character has become overrated. When Jennifer Lawrence was Mystique, we all wanted her to be Jean Grey. Jean Grey. Who cares about Jean Grey? We know the Dark Phoenix saga has not been done properly in movies. I don't think it's ever going to be done properly. I don't want to see Anya Taylor-Joy play Jean Grey. I would much rather her be Poison Ivy. And then we could get her on screen with Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson. Like, who wouldn't want that right now? I would be so pumped for that casting announcement. That is probably the only comic book franchise I would love for her to join is the Batman. My favorite performance from Anya Taylor-Joy so far is in the Queen's Gambit. She's in almost every moment of that show. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen, and I thought it was a crime she lost to Kate Winslet at the Emmys. I think she lost due to recency bias. She made you think the game of chess is entertaining and compelling. To me, that deserves an award alone. She made you care about the character's flaws and all, it is a perfect performance. And I know some people have wondered, should there be a second season of the Queen's Game. But I think that show is so good that bringing it back for a second season would only be a big mistake unless you have a compelling story to tell. Like, especially that show's ending. That is one of the only miniseries that have a perfect finale. Like, we watch these really good miniseries and then we argue about the finales, like The Undoing. I I liked that ending, but a lot of people did not. I think nobody argued about how The Queen's Gambit ended. Bringing it back would only bring on that type of discussion, because they wouldn't be able to end it properly. That's what that show did right. It ended on the perfect note. Her most underrated performances in Robert Eggers' The Northman. I loved her in this movie. She was able to shine with not a ton of screen time, and her final scene was incredible. You felt her pain this is what a supporting performance should do. Keep you wanting more. I hope she continues to work with Eggers, and I hope the duo ends up making Nosferatu, the movie that almost starred Harry Styles. Like, I want to see that movie, and I would love to see Robert Pattinson come back and play a vampire, because I want to see the two of them on screen. I think they are so equally compelling. I want to see Anya Taylor-Joy star in a movie with Robert Pattinson, whether it's the Batman or Nosferatu. It's sad that The Northman will be remembered as this gigantic flop instead of a film with two great performances from Anya Taylor-Joy and Alexander Skarsgård. I thought the movie was epic, and if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. The best year of Joy's career is no doubt 2020. She received an Emmy nomination for her performance in The Queen's Gambit and gave what I believe to be an Oscar-worthy performance in Emma. For me, it's her best film role yet. She should have gotten an Academy Award nomination. This is the year she went from a known commodity to a superstar. We all know the name Anya Taylor-Joy because of the year 2020. The future of Anya Taylor-Joy's career looks extremely bright. Her future projects include Furiosa, directed by George Miller, where she will, of course, be taking over the role of Furiosa from Charlie Theron. Amsterdam, directed by David O. Russell, with Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington, the menu directed by Mark Mylod, who is best known for directing Succession, the movie is going to co-star Nicholas Holt and Ray Fiennes, and the upcoming Mario film where she will be voicing Princess Peach. And out of those movies, the one, of course, we are anticipating the most is Furiosa, because we all love Mad Max Fury Road. I think it's one of the best action movies ever. I love Tom Hardy in it, and Charlize Theron was the best part about it. If Anya Taylor-Joy can pull that movie off, she might just become the best actress in the world. She might become the most famous actress in the world. I mean, I have all the faith in the world that this movie is going to be incredible because it has George Miller and it has Anya Taylor-Joy, who has proved herself to be nothing but consistently great. Here's a list of noteworthy performances given by Anya Taylor-Joy. The Witch, Split, Thoroughbreds, Peaky Blinders, The Queen's Gambit, Emma, Last. Last night in Soho and The Northman. I put Anya Taylor-Joy on that short list of actresses who I believe are the future of Hollywood, and that list also includes Zendaya, I would put Elle Fanning on that list, Caitlin Deaver, and Anya Taylor-Joy is right at the top of that list. And as great as she's already been in projects like The Queen's Gambit and Emma, I think we have still yet to see the very best she has to offer. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie The gray man, here's a quick synopsis. Court Gentry makes a deal with the CIA to get out of prison and becomes an operative known as Sierra Six, and when he uncovers secrets about the agency, he's hunted down across the world. The film stars Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, Regé-Jean Page, Jessica Henwick, Julia Butters, Alfred Woodard, Danouche, and Billy Bob Thornton. Standout performances. This is the first Ryan Gosling movie since 2018's first man, which was a critical success, not much of a financial one. And I've said this before about Gosling. There are two type of Gosling performances. One where he's super charismatic, funny, and charming, and these would include 2011's Crazy Stupid Love, 2015's The Big Short, and The Nice Guys in La La Land, both in 2016. And then there's the more serious side of Gosling, where he plays soft-spoken, more subdued characters. Example of this includes Drama. In 2011, Blade Runner 2049 in 2017, First Man in 2018, and this movie, The Grey Man, is an example of a more serious Gosling performance. Yeah, he cracks a few jokes, but for the most part, he's being a serious action star, and it feels like more people prefer and enjoy Charming Gosling over Serious Gosling. His Oscar nominations have been for Half Nelson and La La Land, movies where he's Super charming. His more serious work in Blade Runner 2049 and First Man have been overlooked. For the record, I enjoy both. I think he's really good at being both super charming and super serious. And in this movie, Ryan Gosling proves he's a believable action star. And I know what people want him to be in this movie. They want him to be Ryan Reynolds like in Deadpool, this witty character. That's what we want out of the action modern movie star. Like, we, we do don't like what Chris Pratt is doing in the Jurassic World movies because he's not being funny the way he's funny in Guardians of the Galaxy. We don't need every action movie star to be hilarious. That's not very believable. I like serious action stars. I think we all grew up on some more serious action stars. Bruce Willis wasn't cracking jokes every five minutes in Die Hard. Like There's a place for these type of serious action stars, and that's where I think Ryan Gosling is going for. You can be funny in moments, but you don't have to be funny throughout the entire film. And that's what we've become accustomed to. Funny action stars. I like that Ryan Gosling is doing something different. Chris Evans is really fun as the over-the-top villain of the movie. I felt at times like he was in a different movie than Ryan Gosling, and this Evans performance makes me really want to see him in a Michael Bay-directed film. This is Evans's fifth movie be directed by the Russo Brothers and the first non-Marvel movie. Evans was offered by the Russo Brothers to be the lead of this movie, and yet he chose instead to be the villain, and he made the wise choice because the villain of this movie is more interesting than the hero. More people are talking about the performance given by Chris Evans than they are about the one given by Ryan Gosling. This is Ana de Armas's second straight action movie. She was in Daniel Craig's final Bond movie, No Time to Die and now The Gray Man in both. She's a scene stealer, and this is a bit of a reunion for De Armas. Previously, the actress worked with Gosling on Blade Runner 2049 and Evans on Knives Out. And finally, we have to talk about Julia Butters, who at 13 years of age has already held her own on screen with Leonardo DiCaprio in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and now she's acting with Ryan Gosling in The Gray Man. These are two of the biggest movie stars of the last 20, years, Butters has superstar potential. Ryan Gosling will next star in Greta Gerwig's Barbie as Ken, and if I had to bet, this movie will feature a more charming Ryan Gosling than in The Gray Man. De Armas, after having a supporting role in two action movies, will finally lead one, the John Wick spinoff Ballerina. The actress will also be in the movies Blonde as Marilyn Monroe, the movies directed by Andrew Dominic, and she's re-teaming with Chris Evans for a third time on the movie Ghosted, and finally, Julia Butters will next be seen in Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. It is funny watching Ryan Gosling do interviews for The Gray Man and all anyone wants to talk about is Barbie. Let's talk about the directors of The Gray Man, the Russo brothers. Joe and Anthony Russo have really had two different careers. First, they directed episodes of the hit sitcoms Arrested Development and Community, and then after directed Captain America Winter Soldier. They've become blockbuster filmmakers, making at one point the highest grossing movie of all time, Avengers Endgame. And weirdly since, they've directed two movies for streamers, Cherry for Apple TV Plus with Tom Holland, which was rather mediocre, and The Gray Man, the most expensive Netflix movie to date. I'm curious to see where their careers go from here. They are producing a live-action Hercules movie for Disney with Guy Ritchie directing, which could be promising. I do think Marvel is missing having these type of directors at the helm. Like, I think Marvel is missing the Russo Brothers more than the Russo Brothers are missing Marvel. In my opinion, the Russo Brothers directed the two best Marvel movies, Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. These movies featured huge ensembles. Now it feels like Marvel doesn't know how to make a competent movie with a ton of characters. I would bet in the future that Marvel is going to reunite with the Russo brothers because they're going to pay them a huge paycheck to come back and save the franchise. Back to the Gray Man, what I really liked about the movie was the action sequences. Right from the jump to the very end, they were very high quality and it's what you want from an action movie. I also really enjoyed the final brawl between Gosling's and Evans's character and the plot of the movie got better as the film went on I think this movie has a very bad beginning like I don't think this movie started off right but as the movie went on I was like oh this is what the movie is and I really got into it some people don't like that I gave the movie the benefit of the doubt and I really liked it as it went on I could understand you not liking this movie because the beginning of the movie is very bland like I think in modern times we don't love origin stories and I think the origin of the Ryan Gosling character, 6, was handled wrong from the jump. They didn't reveal the character's backstory until the middle of the movie. You are supposed to get me to care about the character, not in the middle of the movie. That's why I could see some people turning this movie off before they even get to that part about the character's backstory. And I think that's one knock you could have against the Russos as filmmakers, is they've never really had Had to come up with the origin story of a character when they directed the Captain America movie. There had already been his first movie. They didn't have to do his origin story. Their last two movies have gotten off to slow starts because they don't know how to do origin stories. It seems like, like Cherry, that Tom Holland character. I didn't care about him. There were some things about that movie that were very good, but they never got me fully invested in the character, and I could say the exact same thing about The Gray Man. They waited way too long to tell me the backstory about this character and why he went to prison in the first place. Like, that is some vital information. Overall, I had super high expectations for The Gray Man. This is a movie starring Ryan Gosling, one of my favorite actors of all time, and Chris Evans, who is on a great run right now with Knives Out defending Jacob. And I liked the movie a lot, where all of my expectations meant no. I thought this movie. was going to be amazing. There were things about it that surprised me, like Ana de Armas. I was really impressed with her in this movie because she was kind of given a backseat. I really like the scenes between her and Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling was at his best when he had a scene partner to play with, whether it be Ana de Armas or whether it be Julia Butters. The moment where he's alone are probably the worst moments of the movie. And I do know there's been some online chatter about the look of this movie movie. Listen, I didn't have that high of an expectation about the look of the movie. I just think our standards for action movies have gotten too high. Is this a fun action movie with a competent hero and villain? Yes, then it's going to work for me, and the Gray Man works for me. There's a lot of talk about The Gray Man becoming Netflix's signature franchise because the streamer recently said that they're looking for their version of Star Wars or Harry Potter. The problem with that is the way we rate the success of franchises is through box office. Those franchises became franchises because Star Wars made hit after hit after hit. Harry Potter made hit after hit after hit. We don't know what a hit on Netflix really is. Is it about the number of people that watch The Grey Man? Is it about the number of people that talk about The Grey Man? Like, I don't know what a Netflix hit movie looks like. All I know is I would like a sequel to this movie. I think this is a really good jumping off point to what could be a franchise. I would like to see Ryan Gosling play this character again, reunite with Julia Butters and Ana de Armas. I wouldn't be mad at it. It just feels like Netflix doesn't know what their franchise would look like either. Maybe it ultimately will end up being the Gray Man. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and I highly recommend you go back and watch the work of actor. Anya Taylor-Joy and check out the movie The Gray Man. Next week it's a big episode as I'm talking about the movies Nope directed by Jordan Poole and Men directed by Alex Garland. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe.